Welcome to a new episode of the Living with Feeling podcast from the Centre for the History of Emotions at Queen Mary University of London. My name is Jules Evans. I'm a research fellow at the Centre. And this is uh, the first podcast for a new research programme that I'm doing called The Flourishing University, which is looking at what universities can do to enhance flourishing wisdom and well-being in undergraduates, postgraduates, Uh, faculty and staff and the wider community. So for this episode, I went down to the University of Buckingham outside Milton Keynes to meet um, the university's new vice chancellor, Sir Anthony Selden. I first interviewed um, Sir Anthony uh, about five years ago when he was the headmaster of Wellington College, which was the first school to introduce classes in happiness. So Anthony's always been a pioneer in the idea that education shouldn't just teach knowledge, but it should also teach uh, emotional intelligence. So Wellington had classes in positive psychology, in mindfulness, in uh, character strengths and so forth. He was also um, a co-founder of an adult education group called Action for Happiness, which sought to spread the insights of positive psychology in the general public. So when he became Vice-Chancellor at Buckingham, he rapidly unfurled his his new vision for the university, which was to make it the UK's first positive university. This was a kind of grand holistic vision, which would include things like classes in positive psychology for every undergraduate uh, and for every member of staff. So he got on the phone to Martin Seligman, the founder of positive psychology in America, and brought him over as a consultant um, he also, he's also um, talked about uh, introducing better mentoring, um, uh, workshops in, in mindfulness, in life skills, uh, and also um, the university playing more of a role in terms of uh, intervening in students' lives to try and counteract things like uh, toxic binge drinking or, or, or lad culture. So um, I went down to Buckingham to do a talk on the history of the idea that universities should promote flourishing. And the main point I made was that this isn't an entirely new idea. If you look back at the last 2,500 years of higher education from ancient India to ancient Greece to the Middle Ages to the liberal arts in, in the 19th century, Universities have often thought that one of their roles is to improve the flourishing or virtue or moral wisdom of undergraduates. And it's really only in the last few decades that that idea has been somewhat in in decline. So I did this talk and then um, I went out to dinner with um, Sir Anthony and with the head of psychology at Buckingham, Alan Martin, who's been given this um, grand task of, of introducing positive psychology classes um, for the entire university. Um, Buckingham, by the by, is is actually the smallest university in the UK. It was founded in the 70s. It's one of the first um, private universities in this country. So it's only got uh, 2,500 undergraduates in it. And it's in this little, feels like a a village, really, um, in the Buckinghamshire countryside. But it's still a pretty grand task to to, to kind of uh, 
roll out this new vision for the university. I um, I asked um, Anthony and Alan some questions over dinner, so you'll hear quite a lot of uh, clinking of glasses and clattering of cutlery, and I hope that doesn't put you off. Just imagine you're sitting at the table with us, enjoying this uh, conversation. Um, and we talked um, about things like what the proper role of the university is, whether undergraduates should be treated as fully mature, autonomous adults when they arrive, or are universities to some extent um, in loco parentis, as they are considered to be uh, in the United States, for example. We talked about um, getting the balance between um, students' freedom but also um, guiding them. So what, you know, Anthony talked rather interestingly about managing students' journey to autonomy. Um, and one of the things that really interested me was he, he, when he quoted uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau and talked about helping students to be free. Um, and really he's talking about moral freedom there. He's talking about helping them to be free from some of their kind of um, destructive behavior so that, um, so that they can flourish. So that's an interesting idea in terms of, you know, going back to the roots of liberal arts, which is that they're liberal because they help people to be free in a, in a moral sense. Um, we also talked about whether and how universities should teach virtues. Uh, and we got into discussion uh, about the, the positive psychology approach to that, which is to get people to take questionnaires to measure their character strengths. And you do this questionnaire and then it'll say, you scored strongly on things like, um, I don't know, honesty or courage or humour and so on. And therefore, you should just really focus on those strengths. And I, I wondered whether that strengths-based approach actually doesn't help people to become rounded people. It doesn't help to look at their moral flaws and weaknesses. So we discussed that too. I hope you enjoy the interview. I also have launched a um, a new blog for this project. It's got quite a long URL. It's um, blogs.history.qmul.ac.uk forward slash flourishing. Um, but I'll put that link onto um, our Centre for the History of Emotions blog and onto the SoundCloud page. Um, so I'm going to be doing lots of interviews over the next uh, few weeks, months and years around this topic, looking at universities all over the world uh, and their different approach to uh, teaching flourishing and wisdom and well-being. We're going to have people on the blog as well um, critiquing various initiatives. So we'll have a, a, a wide range of opinions. Uh, and I really hope you uh, get involved and help me with this research project, whether you're students or um, academics or um, members of the public or civil servants. And um, keep in touch with the project. And I hope you enjoy the interview. What are the, going to be the key things to to put kind of to, for the positive university? There's something for transitions, so we're going to think a lot about how people transition from schools. So typically, you would have an 18 year old who's finished their A levels on, say, uh, June the 11th, and suddenly they pitch up on 25th of September. Uh, 10 weeks later and they're supposed to have morphed from somebody who can uh, look after themselves and judge uh, how much physical exercise they need how much mm. food they need how much sleep they need how to cope when their relationships break up or when they have 
disappointments at, uh, with their essays or having conflicts with uh, other students or staff. Uh, and of course they don't, and it's absolutely absurd because schools don't um, have the time uh, or the will often to uh, provide the grounding in what higher education means and the, uh, the development of the capacities to look after yourselves, uh, how to cook, even how to look after money. And then you know we get amazingly surprised, shocked, stunned when these people have so many problems mm. and um, so uh, that's transitions and then we're looking at work for students and what we done to enhance the student experience and to focus on positive psychology so it's not just about yet more counsellors more and more and more and more and more counsellors mm. and therapists uh, it's about helping them proactively and finally stuff for staff Mm-hmm. And um, so, how can we ensure that staff get a better deal? Mm. So they love their work rather than oh, it's all very low morale. And you know, many um, uh, many staff, um, you know, see uh, a glorious past when things were marvelous, when there were more resources, when management was better um, when they were more respected when students were brighter worked harder, could look after themselves better uh, they looked back to their pay when they were paid more when the summer, when the sun shone more and of course it's you know often just make believe and there's that internalising model that sees not uh, a better um future uh, but a better past mm. and um, it's um, you know it's very limiting because then a model is internalized of um, deterioration <laughs> and low morale and uh, uh, it, it, it's toxic and one has mm. to break out of it and um, one has to help staff uh, cope better with their problems and mm. but also help to um, learn how to their lives to flourish. I mean, mm. you know, what a shame! What a shame to be, you know, in this fantastic uh, year, two thousand and seventeen, and to have everything that we have. You know, no one uh, working in universities is worried about shelter or worried about how they're going to be attacked by uh, people um, on their way home. They're not worried about will they have clothes, will they have food, will they have pay, um, will they be bored. There's endless entertainment stimulation, nice, interesting uh, people to work with, great topics of conversation, um, and what a shame to be miserable, and yet so mm. many are. One thing that struck me reading that your pamphlet... It felt like your model of the university um, was more in loco parentis uh, than um, what I remember of, of my university kind of life, where, as you say, I was rather kind of left to my own devices at 18. Uh, so do you think that's a kind of difference, and partly you coming from a, a secondary school, uh, um, bringing that kind of idea of, of more of a uh, paternalist or maternalist model of, uh, of, of an institution. And universities are helping people to be free. You can't assume uh, that people suddenly morph from 
dependent teenagers to autonomous adults over mm. ten weeks holiday. Nothing glorious, miraculous happens over the summer holiday. Mm. Um, I mean, what about things like we talked about? I mean, there's a question of to what extent people, students, should be free to make mistakes at uni, um, to experiment with things like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, you know, uh, it's part of it, isn't it? The kind of the rite of passage of, of, of being an undergraduate. Is there a risk of, of um, the positive university um, overprotecting students from that kind of uh, experimentation? This is about liberating, not infantilizing people. And we have to understand what liberty means, and liberty is not license. And if you let um, 18 year olds um, without any uh, guidance have lots of money and um, access to uh, whatever they want to do um, without any guidance, then uh, it will be a recipe for disaster in in, uh, some people's cases. So we are here to try and help people learn how to be free. You don't suddenly assume that they're free and they suddenly, they know how to uh, make every judgment. So, um, and indeed many adults aren't free. I've never met in my life ever have I met an alcoholic who's free. I've never met a sex addict who is free. Um, I've never met um, a drug addict who is free. And, and so, and I'm sure they were all uh, given huge license um, to indulge themselves. But, you know, you know, life is not about indulgence. Uh, indulgence is enslavement, leads to enslavement. Do you think um, it, it, it's a proper role for universities to... Um, develop um, students' characters, not just in terms of being happy, but in terms of having good values. Uh, and, and if so, how do you decide those values, and how, what's the best way to kind of pass them on? There appear to be ways of measuring certain values, and again, Seligman comes back here um, with the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with strength, that kind of, yeah, yeah, the character strength. And um, that strikes me as a nice way to talk about relative strengths, because mm-hmm. what you're saying now is everybody has strengths, it's just kind of ordinal mm-hmm. um, I, it'd be int- I'm still interested to see how yeah. adaptable they are. It's going to be very interesting, I think, mm. to see how with some people, when they become aware of relative strengths, I believe there will be the effects on how some people will be able to consciously mm-hmm. refocus and others less so. But I mean, that's something that I think it's measurable. Now, who decides what? Mm. But I mean, what the they want to emphasise. The strength thing will never really create a culture of an institution. Yeah. The strength thing is you have curiosity as one of your strengths. You should develop that more. Uh, you have uh, courage as one of your strengths. But this is this is different <coughs> to there being an ethos of Buckingham, which you will yeah. try to pass on. 
But if, it, if it's taking your, you're saying a pluralist approach, and you have yeah. to account for that, you yeah. have to frame the variation yeah, to help people to, to yeah. uh, find a fit within that. So right. that's to do it. Now, um. yeah, whether you can, whether Buckingham would say, we value these strengths above others and we're going to have some help. Yeah. Reinforce those or recruit based on those. I, I think so this is so the strengths thing is a way to kind of help develop people's values, mm. but in a in a way almost like a non-prescriptive mm. way. Three things, I'd say, in answer to your question, can and should students be taught to develop their characters? Uh, and virtues, yes and yes. Um, how does the organisation decide which virtues the organisation should focus upon? That has to be decided by the community and renewed annually, or once every three years, um, and it's support staff and it's PGs and UGs and and academic staff, um, all those who live and work in the community must uh, vote on which are the values, and then they're widely promulgated. And the third point is the point about uh, the character strengths is not that the others are not important, but that many people do not act in life from their own strengths because they don't know what they are. Mm, and yeah, um, so you become a more effective and a happier person when you feel affirmed and confident in what your strengths are. So some people may, for example, come out with hospitality and, and mm. welcoming, mm -hmm. uh, but because no one's ever highlighted that for them, it's underplayed. And we can then use our strengths also to... Um, fortify us in difficult challenges so it's a good exercise for everybody to identify a challenge something they find repetitive each week month year that they find difficult and then to conceive themselves in that situation deploying their one or two character strengths and that the very act of um, anticipation and visualization will itself uh, be transformed as will the reality through the application of those character strengths. Mm. You know, this is not uh, a case of theorising, it's a question of actually trying it myself. Does it mm. work? My, I suppose my reservation about the character strengths programme is I think it, to me it goes against the idea of being well rounded. Um, let's say, in my example, I'm um, very bookish very analytical, you know, my strength is definitely intellectual curiosity. That's a strength, but it leads to weakness as well, as in tendency to hermitness, uh, you know, uh, a weakness in like, um, you know, so, so to me, the, you know, good, a good education program for me wouldn't just be like, go off to the library and just read loads, it would be also get out of the library sometimes and, you know, develop the bits of you which are weakest. Okay, so... Uh, to, to emphasise most people do not know what their character strengths are and they do not act from them 
because they don't know what they are, and therefore they miss opportunities throughout their life for impact and satisfaction. And there are several. It's not just you know one or two. One has a variety of character strengths, and uh, and if your character strengths truly was curiosity and you were acting it out, you would be curious about the other character strengths that you're not actually uh, articulating and you would not spend your time in a library, but you would try and mm-hmm. engage in uh, those other ones so it's subtler than it may appear on the surface. Mm-hmm. I still think we have blind spots mm-hmm. and, 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 and Achilles heels like you know and, and I suppose I'm I'm wary of questionnaires. I mean, I remember doing a questionnaire about what A-levels I should do, and it's like geography and Spanish, and like, drop English, and like, actually English was the thing I was really good at, and, and I think about, like, let's say, you know, Donald Trump, what would be his strengths? I mean, you know, optimism, hmm. self-belief, go-getting, you know, and, and, and what, but is you know, it, would a moral course for Donald Trump just be like, carry on go-getting and deal-making? I mean, it would also be about, what are your flaws? Your, you know, um, inability to listen to others, or so on. Yep. Okay, you are concentrating on the negative aspects of it. So, try this. Um, what is a fear that you have, genuinely? Um, well, I have social anxiety, so kind of fear of Disapproval and so. What's the pair you have now? Um, meaninglessness, like that. My life, and I feel life, <laughs> life is meaningless. Um, okay, so that's what is that one that suddenly hits you in the um, head? But if you take that and if you apply your character strengths to it. Mm. You can deconstruct it, and um, so lots of things I'm afraid of. Mm. So humour is one of my strengths. Mm-hmm. So the more I can approach these things with a sense of humour, and indeed a sense of the ridiculous, I can defuse the stigma and the power of the fear which is incredibly powerful as you know um, do you think your strengths now are the same as your strengths when you were 20 I don't know I really don't know um, and you know and I think we should also be concentrating on our weaknesses mm. and um, the strength I'm most want to have like Donald Trump that Donald Trump probably doesn't have to develop it because he's already got it in bucket loads which is humility Mm. (laughs) it's the least correlated with happiness (laughs) is it humility? according to the handbook does humility not correlate with happiness? it does but it's one of the weaker Um, I say that because I came out it was one of my highest. Well, that's, that's interesting, but I think partly because that may be because it often goes with suppression rather than... I mean, true humility 
is the transcendence of the ego, where you feel an incredible sense of fullness and happiness. So, um, you know, when I've been meditating sometimes, someone could come up to me and say, you are just the biggest fucking loser of all time. That's happened to you when you're meditating? No, it would happen. You know, sometimes after <laughs> I come out of meditation and... and you know, and I would say to that person, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I, you know, it, it's, um, you know, that's, that's great you're saying that. And, um, you know, and um, you're right, probably, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, you, you, because you have made peace, but I think we need to concentrate on our strengths and act from them more consciously, but we also need to develop our character non-strengths and think about those in a non-obsessive, self-obsessive way. You talk about uh, transcendence. Do you think... So we're beginning to get universities comfortable with talking about well-being. But um, it still feels a long way away from universities and academics talking about transcendence as something people can get at university. Do you think that... Um, Universities can help people to find transcendence. No, and um, as as Eliot described it, it's a condition of complete simplicity, costing not less than everything. And, and you know, you've got to want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that you know, universities are multiverses, all doing different things, which one is to try to do this really well, which means it has to be very democratic, shared. The, the trade-off between being directed but also voluntarist. Mm. And as Rousseau said, you know, somehow we have to try and force people to be free. Mm. <laughs> so in Australia, you have to vote. Mm. You know, that is, you know, you are forcing people to exercise. They're, they're voting. If you don't have a you know, degree of compulsion, then um, you know, no one will come along to these classes. Mm. I, I look at my entire life and I think of all the things I would not have done if people hadn't coerced me to do them. Mm. There's a strong role for coercion in education. Well, are there places at the moment where you think universities are not interventionist enough? In terms yes, of students' behaviour, look, you know, it's like being a good parent or a good employer, mm. um, and we're so frightened in universities of, of appearing to be like schools or be like parents that mm. that you know, we have license, which actually w- w- is a destroyer of liberty, um, mm. the liberty of other people to go to sleep when they want to, or the liberty of girls um, uh, not to be invaded by males um, who are physically stronger, the liberty of um, 
the wider community. So, um, in the same way, an employee, employer, then we, one of the things we're doing is helping people get ready for work. You can't do what you want to do, you know. Yeah. I mean, life is more about curtailment of freedom, mm. uh, and we need to curtail freedom uh, to be able to have freedom. Mm. Uh, freedom of choice comes only after a massive sacrifice mm. uh, and journey of not and to knowledge. So, um, yes, universities need to be need to be the places that that. Manage uh, the, the journey to autonomy or to mm. greater autonomy. Um, I mean, for example, I mean, the, things like in the pamphlets uh, you talked about binge drinking or drugs or, or things like that. I mean, what, what kind of things, specific things, do you think sh- universities should be more active in that they're not doing? Um, so, um, there's cultural tolerance of drugs, um, and which of course some people will do, but by and large the harder they are to acquire, the less likely people will be to do so. Mm. The more the tolerances of, oh, come on, let's get wasted, you know, um, and actually a lot of people don't want to get wasted, and being wasted is expensive, bad for the body, mm. and unpleasant for the rest of the, the, you know, the, the next day. Yeah. Um, and with some people who have a dependency gene or a propensity uh, you will be enhancing their vulnerability and exposure to to that in the same way that some things we do like smoking um, will uh, drive up our dependency and our exposure so I think universities just need to be places that balance and respect uh, students' desire for autonomy, and they learn by making decisions. They learn by making mistakes. We mm-hmm. do. You know, I mean, um, I'm still making mistakes in yeah. my life, many. And um, do you think? Um, I mean, so you learn. So there has to be freedom to make mistakes, and mm-hmm. you know, there'll be people. I mean, who who hasn't got completely wasted in their life? Mm. and being violently sick and you know there are some people who do that who are sick in their puke and they uh, then ingest it back and suffocate and mm. die um, and um, so on the I mean Buckingham's an interesting <coughs> university I mean it's it's more independent than most smaller than most does that help it to pursue this kind of... I don't know, I'm not, head of, not head of any other university. Mm. But I think it was you know, great good fortune that as head of psychology mm. who was interested in this whole domain, because mm. otherwise that would have been impossible. Mm. So you cannot... Yes, you can, please. Uh, you cannot uh, drive this just from the top. Right. You know, and, and this whole world is full of paradoxes. So you are... Mm. Uh, wanting to have maximum freedom but you're also being coercive mm. um, you're wanting to have a common core but it also has to be individualistic and decided mm. by the organisation itself mm. um, the leader of the organisation has to be 
driving this, and yet it will never happen if they drive it. Mm. You know, because it will just be seen, as you suggested, as a latest device to pull the wool over the eyes of staff about you know declining money or jobs or you know and mm. th- there's always the pull back to the the lower order pleasures and, mm. and satisfactions of life so uh, the leadership from the top is essential but there needs to be much more it's not a sufficient leadership mm.